Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Two weeks ago, February the 1st, I was talking to you about the subject of how things will be different in 2015. How will things be different? Now, things are going to be different in 2015. We're, we're, we're going to have a, uh, an outstanding year in the things of God. So, and so the Lord has inspired us and spoken to us and stirred our faith so that we will believe that he's wanting to do some things this year that are that are just uh, beyond the ordinary. Not beyond his ordinary, but beyond our ordinary. Right. Amen? Amen? But then again, uh, things will be different if we do things differently. Amen. Amen? It's not all God and it's not all us. We work together with him. Amen? Amen. And so things are gonna be different this year, but we're gonna do things differently to enable God to do some things he wants to do. Amen? And so, uh, uh, like I said, two weeks ago, I was talking about this, and we were reading this passage of Scripture. I want to go back to it. There's just some, some things I want to, uh, just some loose ends I want to tie up on this uh, idea. And in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense. It doesn't say to be defensive, to give an explanation, a logical presentation uh, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, there's a lot of things that uh, can be gleaned from this passage of Scripture. Number one, some, one of the things we've pointed out is that people should be asking you. He said, be ready. He wouldn't tell us to be ready for nothing. He didn't tell us to be ready to walk on the moon. He told us to be ready to give a defense, an explanation, a logical explanation uh, to anyone who asks that tells us that people should be asking. Amen. Don't get nervous. Just just relax out there. People are supposed to be asking. And we are learning how we can change our behavior and our conduct and our lifestyle so that people will ask. Amen? That's some of the things that, we, that we're doing differently this year. We're living in such a way that people are beginning to ask. Amen? And opportunities are presenting themselves to us. And we've read scriptures about, about uh, uh, you know, seizing every opportunity and so forth. Well, this is talking about opportunities. Be always ready. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks. But now, here's the thing that, that I want to point out. It says, always be ready. Always be ready. Well, let me back up. The first part of the verse says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready. What does it mean to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts? That's kind of an awkward uh, phraseology there. The word sanctify means to separate something from a profane use or, or connection 
and to separate it and to set it apart for God. That's what the word sanctify means. That's what it means when we are when we were sanctified through the belief of the truth. We we were separated from this world and we were set apart unto God. All of the holy things of the Old Testament, they said they sanctified them to the Lord. They were ordinary things, but then they prayed a prayer of consecration over them and they separated those things that had been ordinary and, and, and separated them from the ordinary and set them apart to be holy, to be used for the Lord. And from that time on, they were holy. Well, he says here, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What does that mean? That simply means set the Lord above everything in your heart. Separate him out from everything and put him on the top. Make the Lord the Lord of everything. Separate, sanctify, separate and set apart the Lord God in your heart. So that means that, that the Lord should be number one in our life. And this is something we do this isn't something the Lord does for us or else he wouldn't tell us to do it. When he told us to do it, that means it's our responsibility to do it and if we don't do it, it won't be done. Isn't that right? I mean, any instruction from the, from the New Testament where the Lord tells us to do something, that's some, that then tells us that we have it to do it, it, and we must do it and if we don't do it, it won't be done. Well, by the same token, he said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready. He didn't say you always are ready. He said, and always be ready. Well, that's something we have to do. I mean, that's something that, that requires an actual step, an actual action, something we do, we have to do something to be ready. See, if we're not ready, we will miss the opportunities when they come. If we're not ready to give an answer, then we're not ready. And a lot of the times, we're not ready. Come on now. A lot of times we're not ready. Let me make it more personal. A lot of times you aren't ready. And he's saying, stop not being ready, but do something to make yourself ready. You don't just, you're just not ready by accident. You don't just get up and fall into readiness. You're not just ready uh, just as your default uh, a condition all the time or else he wouldn't tell us to be ready. Always, always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to give an answer. Well, there are things we, we can do to make ourselves ready and, and the things that, that we need to do, in other words, being ready is not a passive condition it's an active thing that we continually do 
We continually do things to make ourselves ready. God won't make us ready. He helps us, but we are the ones that have to be ready. And we have to be ready today. And we have to be ready this afternoon. And we have to be ready tonight. And we have to be ready tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And we have to be ready on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And we have to be ready on Saturday at 4 o'clock. In other words, we have to make ourselves ready. Well, how do we do that? First of all, by sanctifying the Lord God in our hearts. That's the first step by putting him number one. Get up and make it a habit of putting the Lord first in your day. Go to him before you go to anybody else. Amen. But but before you get involved in other things, put the Lord first. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart first. Start your day off with the consciousness of God. Through just taking a little bit of time reading his word, getting your mind quiet, thinking about his blessing like Pastor Angela was talking about. Remind yourself of all of his many blessings and, 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 and offer up some, that sacrifice, that worship sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Minister to the Lord. Spend a little bit of time in prayer. I tell you, what, what are you doing? You're sanctifying the Lord God in your heart. It's a big step in being ready. Now, the other thing in being ready to give an answer is giving a reason to give, to, giving a reason to have the question. Let me say that different. Let me say that again. Another step in being ready to give an answer is giving a reason for the question. Did you follow that? Did I confuse anybody? Next, the, an important step in being ready to give an answer is doing something to, to call for the question. Right. Right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so I talked about living your life, your Christian life publicly. Living it publicly. Now, by that, I don't mean obnoxiously. And I don't mean forcing yourself and your religious convictions, and, and you know, just in that general sense of the word. In other words, forcing your, your biblical ideas on people, making your Christian experience awkward where other people are concerned. It's not, it's not what I'm talking about. On a Sunday, uh, uh, back in January, on a Sunday night, I tell you what, folks that don't come on Sunday night miss out. I'm going to recap some of the things that I said. But I tell you what, you need to be here on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Amen. Now, now this isn't said to harass anybody, but it's just the truth. And, uh, you know, it's impossible for any pastor or any minister to, to... present or minister everything a person in their congregation would need for the entire week. It's impossible to do that in one service. That's the truth. It's impossible. And, you know, in the, in the New Testament, they met daily. Daily. Say, well, why don't we meet daily, Pastor? Why don't you step it up? Tell you what, when you start being here on the three services that we do have, (laughs) then we'll start adding to it. (laughs) Call me on the carpet, I'll call you on the carpet. (laughs) Hey, man, I'm not opposed to that. But I I, want to see folks coming all the time that we are having services. Amen. Now, you know, uh, somebody told me one time, 
actually came and sat in my office, in my office, and told me they were leaving the church, and, and I asked them why. And you know why they told me? Now, I know there were some other issues that they wouldn't admit to, and, but they told me the reason they didn't want to come to church here anymore is because I constantly was after people to be here all the time. And this person said, I just want to come to church when I want to. I just want to come in when I want to and not come when I don't want to. And I don't want to be made to feel bad about it. And I don't appreciate you getting. <laughs> Can you imagine telling a pastor that? That, yeah, I'm supposed to just get up and say, listen, it doesn't matter if you come to church. Now, would, wouldn't that be a stupid pastor? You know, it doesn't matter if you come to, just come when you feel like it. Just come whenever you, if you don't feel like it, you get up, you don't feel good, just don't, go do something else. If you'd rather go to the beach, go to the beach. If you'd rather stay home and, and, and rake leaves, just do that on Sunday morning. It'd be all right, God, that's okay, that's fine. I mean, it was all I could do to keep from laughing. You're telling me, you're calling me on the carpet because as a pastor, I'm encouraging you to be in church all the time. Well, that's never going to change. That's never going to change. Amen. And the reason is there are a lot of things that are ministered on Sunday morning that are good, but there are a lot of things that are ministered on Sunday night and a lot of things on Wednesday night that are good. And, and for your own benefit, I encourage you to be here because you miss out on a lot of things. Amen. But on Sunday night, back in January, one Sunday night, uh, we had a Holy Ghost service that morning. And then on Sunday night, uh, uh, I, I talked about the fact that we have so much to offer this community. There really isn't any reason other than our ineffectiveness. There isn't any reason why this place isn't full. Well, that got quiet. Other than the fact that we're just not reaching out to people. Amen. Because we, and when I say we, you know, we know so much and we have so much, it's not that we are uh, special or that we have something that nobody else has access to. What we have access to, everybody, all the church has. But one thing I mentioned was the fact that uh, one thing that, that will help you in, in being a blessing to other people is, is, you know, in living your Christian life in front of them, let them know what you know. There are a lot of teaching opportunities presented uh, to us and we fail to take up on, take, take, you know, take action when we could. And one thing I mentioned was the fact that we know how to pray. The vast majority of the church doesn't know how, well, let me say this. They know how to pray by and large, but they don't know how to get answers to their prayers. They don't. And this illustration, I've used it before, and I used it that Sunday night, and we'll do it again. Let's, let's say I'm God. Just, you know, for, an, for a, a, a little lesson, let's pretend I'm God and Steve Kondo is, is my son, my child. You know, he's, he's uh, a believer in me. And I've told him in my word that everything I have is his. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Now, that's what God has told us. Anything that's according to his will, anything that he has, Jesus said, everything that the Father has are mine and everything that's mine is yours. 
And so uh, everything I have, I've told this, this child of, of mine, this child of God, that he can have anything that I have that he wants. Well, he knows I have a nice ballpoint, uh, you know, pen, writing pen. And so, you know, he goes to prayer and he says, oh, Father Edwin, <laughs> oh, Father Pastor, you know, I, I, I just, I, be, I, I want a blue pen. I, I, you know, you said you would give it to me. I know you haven't. I'm asking for that pen. That's what I want. And so instead of reaching in that pocket, I reach in this pocket and I pull out. It was in the same pocket. Pull out my handkerchief and I give that handkerchief to him. Now, did I answer his prayer? No. Because he prayed for the pen, I gave him the handkerchief. Now, this is a simple illustration, but that's what is passed off as answers to prayer every day in the majority of Christians' lives. They ask for one thing and they think the Lord gives them something else and they take that as an answer to their prayer. Well, I, you know, I was believing God. I prayed. I asked the Lord, you know, I'm looking for this job and I found this great job and I asked the Lord for it and you know what? It, it, he didn't give me that, but instead he gave me something else and so he answered my prayer. Well, that's not an answer to prayer. We, if, if, if you were at work, if you work in an office and somebody says, hand me the paper clips and they hand you the stapler, well, it does sort of the same thing, but it's not the same thing. If you wanted the stapler, you would have asked for the stapler, but you asked for paper clips and you got the stapler. Or if you ask for the stapler and they give you the pencil sharpener. Most Christians, that's how, see, most believers have been taught that when you pray, then whatever happens is God responding to your prayer. And that he knows you didn't need the stupid stapler. You wanted the stapler, but he knew you didn't need the stapler, so he gave you the pencil sharpener. And so you're looking at the pencil sharpener and, and thinking about your need for the stapler. You don't know what you're going to do with the pencil sharpener, but he's like, well, I thank you, Lord. You knew I didn't need that stapler. I just thank you for this pencil sharpener. It's just what I needed. Now, that's ridiculous. That wouldn't pass muster in any other uh, uh, scenario and any other uh, uh, interaction with anybody in life. But when, where it's God's concern, most people pray and then something else happens other than what they pray and they take that as, the, as God's answer. Well, the Lord knew I didn't, I didn't need this and so he, he gave me this instead. Well, that's, how many of you know, that's, for God to consistently give you things that you don't ask for, give you something else, is, is not God, or else his promise isn't true. Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will receive something else. Is that what he said? Ask, and it will not be given unto you. And your joy will be full. Is that what he said? Ask and I'll give you something else that you didn't know you needed. 
That's not. That's that either God's lying about prayers, answers to prayer, or people aren't getting their prayers answers answered, and they're being duped into thinking religion. How 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 crazy is religion? How powerful and and numbing and intoxicating and and befuddling is religion when it's convinced the most Christians in the world, almost every Christian, that things that they don't ask for is inserted for the things they do ask for and that God answered their prayer. It's nuts. It really is. We, on the other hand, know how to get our prayers answered. Because you see, the enemy will, when when the devil knows that you will accept an alternative and give God glory for it, He's over in the corner just laughing his head off and you're sitting there with the, with the pencil sharpener and a bunch of papers that need to be stapled together and you're sitting there with a the pencil sharpener and you're saying, thank you, Lord. Oh, this just meets my need. And he's just laughing his head off at you. Now, now I'm talking about living your life publicly. You don't go out on the job and tell people, you don't know how to get your prayers answered. That's just the devil all the time answering your prayers. Don't do that. I mean, people are very protective of their religious traditions. And you tell them that God's not answering their prayers, that it's the devil, I mean, just forget it. You might as well mark them off the list. You'll never reach them. Instead, let them know very subtly, just as a matter of fact in your normal life, let them know about things you asked for and he gave them to you. And, and fill them in along the journey. Well, I asked for a particular thing and something else came up. And no, 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 I reminded the Lord, nope, I can't accept that. I know that's not you. That's the devil. Devil, you're not, you're not no, sir, that's not what I asked for. See, as you stand your ground in faith and God gives you the things you ask for, If you live that publicly, people are going to notice because that's not happening in their life. That's not happening in their life. By and large, that's not happening. Like I said, most Christians, if they ever get what they ask for, it's just coincidence because they don't know about the principles of faith. So faith didn't move God. So something happened. It was just a coincidence. But most of the time, they're, they're getting different things. And here you stand out on the job as someone who asks, and they see how you stood your ground, how you didn't accept an alternative. You weren't uh, tricked by the enemy. I said, no, no, that, that's, that's not it. That's not what I asked for. And then they see you stand your ground, and sure enough, you get what you ask for. Now, how many of you have, have asked for things? And I'm not talking about once in your life, but, but you know, you, you've had a, a, a steady stream of things in your life that you've asked the Lord for, and you've stood your ground, and it looked like it was going a different way, but you stood your ground, and you got your answer. How many of you can testify to that? These hands wouldn't go up in most churches. So what am I saying is if you live your Christian life in front of people, you don't have to tell them that they're, that they're you know, letting the devil rob them and that God's not answering their prayer. Just let them see the difference. Just let them see the difference. What will happen? People start asking you. Yeah. 
Well, and did you know most Christians don't know how to be led by the Spirit of God? They don't know how to be led of the Lord. Most Christians are led by their circumstances. They ask the Lord, Lord, I need to know your will. And then something in the natural happens and they take that as the Lord leading them. This idea of open doors and closed doors. Now, the, I, I, I noticed, you know, we've been reading where Paul said, pray for me that, that a door of utterance will be open. I noticed that he's always praying for open door. I don't hear anything about closed doors. But all the time, you'll talk to Christians and, and they, were, you know, they were seeking God's will, you know, about what, which route to go or what to do. And the Lord closed this door and so I knew that must not be his will. I was intending to go that way, but the Lord closed. How many of you ever heard the closed door theory? See, they're moved by things in the natural. And of course, it doesn't work out well for them because they're not being led of the Lord. Well, if you'll just, if you'll just talk, not, not, you don't have to get up, stand up on the chair at work, you know, and, and preach, but just whenever you're, you know, seeking direction. I'm talking about your friend. How many of you have friends at work or at school that are, that are not in this church? Nobody? Yeah. Uh, when, when you're seeking God's wisdom on something, just, in, you know, when you're, at the, when you're at the lunch room or, you know, wherever you're at, you know, having lunch or at a break, just let them know, you know, I'm, I've, been, I've been really, you know, praying about something. I'm seeking God's plan. And... Mention the inward witness. You know, I just got a witness in my spirit. You know, that inward witness. They don't know what that is. I guarantee if you took up a questionnaire of most Christians, ask them what is the inward witness. Don't run your concordance. Don't look at the Bible. What is the inward witness? Most Christians would go, huh? Huh? What? The inward witness? I never heard of it. Well, that's how you get your prayer. That's how you get direction. Is by the inward witness. The primary way he directs us is by the inward witness. And most Christians don't even know about it. Is it any surprise they're not getting direction? No. You know that. You know how to, how to follow the Spirit because you know about the inward witness. We'll let people know about it. I tell you what, you start getting your prayers answered and you start showing people how you sought God and by the inward witness he led you and how it worked out. It won't be long. They'll be moving over to your table at lunch. Oh, tell me a little bit about this inward witness stuff that you've been talking. I don't understand that. See, that's how people ask us. They ask us when we are pres when we are living in such a way to cause them to ask us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Be always be ready to give a defense. You know, I, I, I mentioned on that Sunday night that if you've been coming to church here any length of time, you can answer the most difficult questions uh, that almost anybody, now I'm not going to say in every case, but most of the, uh, anybody will ever ask you the most difficult questions about life, you know, how God, you know, factors into the world and what's happening in the world and people's life. You have the answer for those things. Yeah, you do. Let them know about healing. How, how do you do that? Well, you know, when symptoms come on your body, 
you know, just pray, say, I'm believing God for my healing. Tell people at work, you know, how are you doing? Well, you know, I don't feel very good, but I tell you what, I, I've, I'm believing God for my healing. I'm trusting God. I believe by his stripes I'm healed. And let them see that. So well, I don't want to do that. What if I go for three weeks and it doesn't get any better? Then they'll think it doesn't work. Listen, if, if that's the way you're thinking, then you need to go back to the Bible and get your faith built up. If you don't have any confidence that you're going to receive when you ask and you're going to be embarrassed, go back and get your faith built up. And when, you get, and when you're faith, see, you're not even ready to ask if you think that. If you're afraid that it's not going to come to pass, you, you're, not on the, you're not even ready to ask for your healing yet. Because you're not in faith and it'd be, it'd be foolish. Well, you don't want to pray and not be in faith. So what do you do? You go back to the Bible in your private life, in your personal life. You school yourself in faith. You get your faith built up until you know that you know that you know. And when, you're, and when you know that you know, you're not reluctant to let somebody know that you've asked because you know it's yours. Most of the Christian world doesn't know that by his stripes we are healed. They're taught the opposite. Most of the Christian world is taught that he doesn't heal today or he sometimes when he wants to, but he usually doesn't. That it's most of the time it's his will for us to just go through life and suffer certain things. Well, you know, whenever, whenever uh, they challenge you on that, just real simple, just say, well, no. By his stripes, we, Jesus bore my sickness. It says right here, you know, do you know the scriptures? Huh? Matthew 8, uh, 17, himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. 1 Peter 2, 24, and by his stripes I am healed. And the principles of faith, just put it out there. Put it out there. And, and in all the areas of life, be ready to give an answer uh, simply let people know what the Bible says when they ask you. Now, that, that will take a little bit of study. And, and, you know, people, for instance, people will challenge you on healing. Their primary challenge from, from Christian people is that they'll say the Lord sometimes doesn't heal. That, and and they'll, they'll say sometimes, but we know in, in actual practice in the, among the groups who believe he sometimes doesn't heal. In actual practice, it translates out as most of the time he doesn't heal. He rarely heals, but they won't say that. They'll just say sometimes. And, and there's, there's on, did you know there are only two uh, passages? You can tell them this. Let me back up. You can tell them this, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. How many of you know that verse? Do you know where that, if you know where that's at, raise your hand. Oh, come on. You know where that's at. Acts 10, 38. Thank you, Philip. Come on now. Jesus, everywhere he went, he was healing people. I mean the multitudes. And when people say, well, he doesn't always heal, just say, well, how could that be? How could he not always heal today if, he, if Jesus Christ is the same to yesterday, today, and forever? If he's the same... And he always healed then. How come he doesn't always heal today? And you can point out, go through your Bible and, and, and make a note of all the times Jesus healed the multitudes. He healed them all. In other words, there were thousands of people there and not one exception was made. He healed them all. You can point those passages of Scripture to them. It's hard, hard to argue that. I mean, hard, hard to refute that. 
And as people say, well, then they'll bring up, they'll bring up two passages. One is in John where uh, the man that was born blind, they brought him to Jesus and they asked him who sinned that he was born blind, this man or his parents. The next verse says, Jesus said, neither did this man sin nor his parents, but that the work of God would be revealed in him. Does anybody know where that is? It's in John. I don't know the chapter. Where is it? 9 or 11, something like that. What? Which is it? Nine. Chapter 9. In John chapter 9. See, it, well, look over. Look, just go ahead and turn there. This is a good one to learn. Amen. We're talking about living our faith. Look at John chapter 9. <clears throat> Yeah, John chapter 9. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that, in other words, he was born blind so that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, that's, people take this as a proof text. This is, this is one of only two in the Gospels. This is not hard. One of only two proof text that people take that, see, this man was, was made blind so that the works of God would be revealed in him. That God sometimes has ways of, of uh, expressing his will and demonstrating, you know, his uh, will and his purpose and so forth by people being sick. That's, this is the verse. But all you have to do is read the rest of the chapter. And, and let's read it together. He said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God should be revealed him. I must work the works of him who sent me. Now, who was him who sent him? He said, I must work the works of him who sent me. Who was referring to? God. God the Father. So, verse 3, Jesus answered and said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of God. And while it is day, the night is coming when no, one, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went, washed, and came back seeing. Now, what, what is the work of God? The work of God was the healing. Jesus said, this man didn't sin, nor did his parents sin. That's not why he's, he's sick. He says, but that the work of God would be revealed in him. I must work the work of God. I must work those works. And what did he do? He worked the works and the man was healed. And then the rest of the chapter goes on about how uh, he, uh, therefore the neighbors and those who were previously had seen him who was blind said, is not this he, he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others says, said, it is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and watch. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. So they brought him 
uh, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened the eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again uh, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes. And I watched and I see. I love this guy's testimony. I mean, it's just, it's just, so, it's just so plain. Uh, almost with an attitude, you know. Like, how dumb can you be? He said, uh, uh, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Then they said to the man, blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents. And uh, they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was blind, is born blind. But now, by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For any Jews, for the Jews had agreed that if anyone confessed that he is the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. The former blind man answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, I now see. <laughs> I tell you what, can, can, are you getting the, the impact of one person's testimony? Just live your life, give your testimony. Amen. Amen. Then they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said to him, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do, not where, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in your sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Now does this whole story, does this whole story present the view that sometimes God heals because he wants to and other times he doesn't because he has a secret uh, mission or a secret uh, agenda in leaving people sick? No. Well, that's only, there's only two proof texts in the, in the Gospels. The other one is the woman from Cana who came to Jesus, you know, with her daughter and Jesus turned her aside and wouldn't talk to her and said it's not right for the, uh, to take the, the children's bread and, and cast it to the dogs and he, and he just left her there and denied her. Well, that's not the rest of the story. The rest of the story is she said, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs. He said, well, because of your faith, he healed her daughter. So those are the only two exceptions that anybody can go to and you have the answer to those. I'm telling you, church, you are ready for this world. You're ready to give an answer. You just have to school yourself in these things and be bold to live your life in, in not in a harassing way, but in a way that you just let people give. give. Listen, learn to open windows in your life. That's all you have to do. Learn to discreetly and, and uh, uh, you know, very, very uh, uh, 
carefully just open windows so that people can see into your spiritual life. It won't be long. People are going, wait a minute. How come, how come God never answers my He always gives me the, the pencil sharpener. How come I always get the stuff I don't ask for? And this Mr. Brown over here at the shop, you know, when I go in there, he's, you know, we're just talk, he's, he's told me time and time and time again about how the Lord helped him in his business and how he helped him in his, in his, in his personal finances and how he helped him in his body and, and with his kids and giving him wisdom and direction. How come, how come he gets these things and I never do? They'll start coming to your shop for more than products. Yeah, and they do. I know they do because he does that. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This wasn't what I had prepared for this morning. I'll turn to that page, and I won't go any further. Hallelujah. It's important. Like I said, it's important. If this church is going to grow, it's going to grow because our testimony uh, reaches people. If it's going to grow, it's going to grow because our testimony, our daily life, uh, has uh, sufficient uh, blessing from God, sufficient answers, help, wisdom, direction. In other words, we're, we're, we're living our lives unashamed. Again, do you understand that I'm not talking about being pushy with people? I'm not talking about lecturing people. I'm just talking about on purpose, and they don't even know that you're doing it, but just purposely just open little windows into your life and how God does what his word says when you believe him. I'm telling you, it's not happening in the church world as a, as a, by, and law, as a by and large rule. It's not. Hallelujah. We have the answer, church. We have the The Bible has the answer. And we just simply know a little bit more maybe than other people. Listen, that's nothing to be prideful about. You know, it's, 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 it's only by the grace of God. And we don't know nearly enough. I mean, we've only scratched the surface of how good God is. Amen. So this is not a prideful thing that we're bad. That's not even in, it's not even in view here. The so fact is, God has opened his word to us and what we know is the answer. The things we know are the various answers people are looking for in this world. You got it. You got it. You're, you're, you're able. Now get ready. Get ready. Live your life in such a way that you have questions and then that, that people will ask you. And then if you do that, you'll be ready. <laughs> if you'll do that, you'll be ready. Find out where God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power and went about doing good and healing everybody. Find out where that is. Would you do that? Would you look that up? You do have to learn a few basic verses. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't this fun? Amen. Glory to God. Great things are ahead. Great things are ahead. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. This week, the Lord is going to open opportunities for you to speak the word. 
Remember the scripture we read over in Philippians? Holding forth so as to offer. Holding forth the word of life. God's going to give us an opportunity this week. As you intermingle with people, God's going to open up a door for you to speak. Just know how much to speak. Don't, don't speak more than you should, but speak. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And it's not always. Your, your most effective outreach is going to be to people you see every day. Your most eff- long-term, your most effective long-term outreach is going to be people who see you on a regular basis. So make sure you're, you're living your faith. That's why faith is in, in faith in God and his promises and taking him at his word, believing him for things that belong to him. It's, it, its value is beyond just what you get out of it. Its, it's value is even greater than that in, in that it's teaching opportunities for other people. That's where its real value is. And so do those things. But at the same time, he'll lead you just to speak a word to somebody you don't even know. You know, that's standing next to you on the other side of the gas pump. Or somebody that you see at the feed store. You know, or wherever you might go. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.